Hi everyone and welcome to the second episode of Your Health and Your Wealth. I'm Ricardo Gonsalves. If you're watching live, thank you for joining me. You can leave a comment or ask a question in the area below on this feed or if you're watching on delay or listening on Spotify, it's great to have you with me. Ahead in the program, we're going to be taking a closer look at do-it-yourself shares and the reason for that is because there's been a flood of inexperienced people joining online trading platforms because they've seen the share market rise quite dramatically recently. So we'll tell you what you need to know about that, the warnings from the financial regulator and what you need to know, the basics of shares. But first, gyms are slowly starting to reopen across the country as restrictions start to ease a little bit. So what do you need to do to remain not just COVID safe, but safe from injury because a lot of us haven't been to a gym indoors for quite some time. And for more on that, I'm now joined by personal trainer to the stars, Jono Castano. <laughs> Jono, hopefully you can hear me there. Hey, Jono. Thanks, thanks for having me on. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to this and um, obviously discussing, you know, health and wellness and, you know, the safety around it, especially going back into the gym now. So um, let's get started. <laughs> So, Jono, what are you telling your clients, right, that want to train inside a gym about how they can be COVID safe? I think, um, you know, if you want to be COVID safe, it's about keeping safe distance, choose your stations wisely. If it's obviously if it's going to be a busy, small, small gym, you want to make sure that you that you're you you go in there knowing exactly what your routine is going to be and you're not fluffing around trying to jump on this station and you've got your own area to work around so each state right has their own set of rules it's not the same everywhere of generally course. though how do gyms feel different at the moment and do you think we have to change the way we train i think um yeah it's it's it, Myself, I'm in. I'm even in the car right now because I've been doing a lot of outdoor sessions, and I think the way what this has created is um, it's it's allowed us to experience a lot of different type of training. Like um, a lot of people never experience outdoor training, and for me as a personal trainer, a lot of my clients even want to stay outdoors, and that's it's definitely given us that that vision to be able to allow us to program a little bit better as well. If you think about it, Ricardo. All right. So for those people that haven't trained in months, right, say they haven't gone outdoors and they're, they're, they were waiting to get inside a gym, what do you tell those people? Because I guess our bodies aren't necessarily used to training as hard, yes. right? I'd, I'd say um, just just be patient, you know what I mean? Like understand understand the reason why you're going back into, into the gym. Like you need to – for me, I'm a big – big big believer about purpose and for someone that's that's a newbie new to the gym just just don't get overwhelmed with all the people around you they're there to help you and a lot of us get they get scared of going into a gym but you got to remember every person in that place is there to support you so don't shy away from going to the gyms guys they're there to help you now Jono, for this next part i want to i want to play a very short 10 second video and to be honest, okay. I actually pinched it from your Instagram account. So here it is. <laughs> I hope it's a good one. <laughs> All 
All right, so, so best new training outdoors, right? With who I think are yes. um, Rebel Wilson and Hugh Sheridan. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about them. What I want to talk about is what you were actually doing, which is training outdoors. Okay. So I guess, as you mentioned <laughs> yeah. earlier, you had to train outdoors a lot because of these restrictions, of, right? Of course. Do you expect people to continue to training outdoors as a result? Yes, 100%. Um, I guess just to give you a quick um, breakdown of that little workout there, we're doing a bit of um, 20 push-ups, one run-up, 19 push-ups. So like I said, we're being more creative in the way we train. And, you know, the outdoors, like we live in a beautiful city, Sydney. We've got so many beaches. We've got so many um, places. You can train wherever you want, you know. And I think um, this is really, you know, we keep, I keep going back to that, that, that um, what I'm saying in terms of like it's allowed us to expand and, and really um, enjoy outdoor training once again, because I know a lot of us um, went back into, you can only be at a gym, you can only be at a gym to be able to train. But for me, even as a trainer, I, I love it outdoors. And, and it's, a, it's really given my clients um, that extra edge in terms of programming as well. Jono, you're also a men's health magazine transformation trainer, right? So for guys Correct, yes. looking to change and transform, and this is Men's Health Week, what are your top tips for that? Top tips for any type of transformation is have clear structure in terms of your program. Um, because with programming, it can go very wrong. A lot of us tend to think like, okay, I want to build muscle. But then the way that they tend to train is high intensity. So it doesn't really make sense because when you're trying to build muscle, you need to work at a slower tempo, focus on the time and the tension and really understand those little tricks to building muscle. Um, another one would be in terms of having a clear uh, idea in terms of your nutrition. Because when you're trying to build muscle, you can't be eating 1,200 calories. You need to be intaking enough to be able to build lean muscle. And I think those two components there, programming, nutrition, if you can get that right, that you're going to get great results. And I think that's, um, you know, giving those two, two tips, guys, really focus on those two. Two final questions. Um, everyone's yes. got different goals with their training, right? But what's your favorite style of training and why? And my favorite, I, I'm, I'm a big believer about if I do 45 minutes, I want to leave that place knowing that I absolutely gave it everything I have. And for me, I like to take barely any rest. I'm a zero chatter at the gym. So if you ever see me, Ricardo, and I don't talk to you, you know, you know exactly why. Um, I like to be in the zone, 45 minutes, high intensity, as many reps as possible, lifting good amount of weight, but with technique as well. And that's, that's my go-to workouts. And last question, as a business reporter, I do want to ask you, you obviously run a small business. How have you performed or how has your business survived this really weird COVID-19 period? It's a um, great question. Uh, for me, I'm a, I'm a person about being able to adapt quickly. And I obviously, gym's been shut. Straight away, I messaged my clients. I was like, you know what, guys? We're going to go outdoors. Went and picked up some equipment that I had from a friend of mine. So... I adapted really quick for myself. I've already got a, um, a web app in place over the years, which kind of went really well over that COVID period. And all this um, being, being structured has allowed me to even have my own gym. So I'm, I'm building a gym in which it should be open in three weeks. And, um, you know, which, which is perfect. Like guys, like I, I obviously went through COVID. I was still a busy trainer, but that was because I had structure and I was able to adapt quickly. So you need to adapt quick and adapt with the times, guys. 
Okay, John, I appreciate your time and your health and your wealth. If Pleasure. you want to follow him, the address for his uh, Instagram account is on your screen. Thanks, Dono. Right there. Thanks. Thanks for having me on and have a great have a great week, guys. Make sure you finish um, all your sessions. Take care. See you, mate. That's Jono Castano there, our personal trainer to the stars, talking about how to be COVID safe at the gym and training, um, especially as the gyms start reopening. Let's now move to your wealth. And the Australian share market has gone on a major roller coaster over the past few months as our economy deals with the COVID-19 pandemic. So take a look at this chart. Now, this is the S&P ASX 200 over the past year. Now, as you can see, if you are watching live on screen, from about the late month of February, the share market's taken a pretty steep tumble. In fact, it was one of the hardest and fastest tumbles we've ever seen on the share market, down around 36% in the space of two or three weeks. And that's because the economy pretty much shut down because of the COVID-19 pandemic. But from that low point about two to three months ago to where we are today, shares have risen about 30%. And what's happened as a result is we've seen this influx of inexperienced uh, investors, mum and dad investors, uh, ordinary people flocking to online trading accounts to try to get a piece of the action and see if they can make some money on the share market. As a result, we saw some warnings from the financial regulator, ASIC, saying, hey, guys, be careful because you don't necessarily always make money on the share market, especially if you're inexperienced. So to tell us more about that, I'm joined by the head of research from Motley Fool, uh, and that is Scott Phillips. Scott, thank you very much for your time. Hopefully you've got me there. I do, Ricardo. I'm looking forward to sharing my training and workout tips with you, mate. That's what we're here for, right? <laughs> we'll do that at the end, right? <laughs> yeah. So, Scott, um, does it surprise you that more and more everyday people are creating online trading accounts recently? Look, it did at the start, I've got to be honest with you. So I was around during the GFC and we found people were avoiding investing like the plague. It was just, you know, everyone wanted to be out. No one wanted to invest. This is the exact opposite. And to some degree, I think it's a story of the market. Basically, it fell so fast, so fast, as you say. And when the rebound came, maybe the experience of the GFC, while it scarred some, reminded others that there is actually an opportunity to make some money when the market plunges so hard, as long as you have a long-term perspective. Scott, it really caught the attention of ASIC earlier on when all this attention started coming. Why and what was ASIC worried about? Yes, I think that was the concern, right? Whenever everyone flocks to something they feel like is a good idea and do it suddenly uh, with, I wouldn't say little forethought, but certainly not a lot of experience, a lot of practice, a lot of training, and with so much in the headlines of X billion dollars wiped off, wiped on the market, those headlines we're used to. Um, that's the real concern, I think, when people want to jump in with both feet without really understanding what they're doing. If you'd have been thinking about it for six months, you finally decided now's the time, that's a pretty good thing. If you're all of a sudden investing because you see someone like me on the TV, someone like you on the TV saying the market's fallen, and it was like, well, I guess I better invest then. Um, it, it, you know, like every pursuit, doing it without, uh, and maybe maybe back to the personal training, right? Starting without the proper technique, uh, if I can, if I can steal that line, you know, it is a really important thing to know what you're doing, how you're doing it, what you're doing, how to go about investing well. It's not as simple as buying whatever stock your cabbie recommends. And I think that was actually concerned. Such was the influx. There was a lot of money being put at risk by people who really hadn't been through the ringer. And ASIC was worried rightly that maybe if things got tough, those people might have got a burn. 
Okay, so run us through. So these people that are relatively new to the share market because they've been seeing a lot on the news. Tell us why we've seen these really big moves up and down over the past uh, year, I guess, or the first part of this year. Yeah, look, I, I guess the first thing I want to say is no one really knows for sure, at least no one can know with certainty what, why, how and when, right? People like me are supposed to come on, on programs like yours and, and tell people how certain they are about everything going on in the market. Uh, I get to say I don't know when I don't know. Other people don't get to say that because their employers don't let them. So, and not to bag those people, by the way, just to say, look, no one really knows for sure. The reality is, as you said in your intro, the market fell because the economy stopped dead and everyone went, well, we don't know what happens next. And you don't want to be caught holding your high-priced assets in that scenario as though were those people were thinking, hey, what if this goes badly? And as it got worse, it becomes self-perpetuating, right? Because people say, well, I'm out. I want to get out of here. I don't want to be here when it falls further. So you see big falls that are exacerbated by people's own selling in response to those falls. It is the classic vicious circle. Now, the response, though, at some point was, hang on, the market's fallen by about 40%, give or take, 38, as you said. The, the, the reality is that companies, every company in the ASX added together was not worth 40% less in perpetuity just because of a transitory problem. Massive issue, big health concern, big economic issue, absolutely true. But 40% of the value of every company, take Woolies or BHP or CSL, right? To imagine that as a group, those companies were worth 40% less permanently because of a transitory problem was always an overreaction by the market. And so people started to say, oh, okay, we get it. Aligned with that, we started to see the pandemic rate of growth slow down, transmissions, deaths started to fall. Thankfully, again, health-wise, far more important than the economics, by the way, as much as we're talking about finance here, the health issue is, is absolutely the most important part, but that's what we're here for is finance. So we saw that happen. We saw the economy start to sputter back to life. The government's programs, the RBA's programs, the US Federal Reserve programs started to give people the confidence that actually maybe this isn't as bad as we think. And again, that's where we've seen such a sudden recovery at the same time is, as quickly as the pandemic turned up, the government response, the regulator response, central bank response did the same. And we started to see people feel more confident about the long-term prospects of investing. I guess that's the thing, right? No one really knows what's going on. And I guess that's why it's so volatile. So for those people that are looking to start trading, right? So they know, with, with you know, there are the risks, but they want to trade. And we're obviously not giving any financial advice, but what we are saying is, here's what you need to know about the share market, right? So let's start with the basics. How can an ordinary person invest in shares? All right, so it's actually really, really simple. There's actually like a seven or eight page form, which feels like it's a bit much, but it really is as simple as opening a bank account to get started. So you find a broker you want to deal with. Now, there are some full service brokers out there who do everything for you. They tend to be expensive, but they take the hassle out of it. Or there's the online discount brokers. Um, we won't mention brand names probably, but you know, everyone knows the, the, the usual suspects. Um, you know, jump into jump into one of those accounts, I fill out your form, and literally, as soon as you're set up, like having a bank account set up, you're ready to trade. Now, you want to go with a broker that is Chess sponsored. If you don't know what Chess is, don't worry about it. Not a big deal. Chess basically is the record of who owns what, and so you want to make sure that your broker offers that, so that if there's any ever issue with the, with the broker, if you know Scott Trading goes broke tomorrow, you can say, no, I have these shares. I have a record, independent record of what I own. You don't lose those shares if the broker goes belly up. So always be chess sponsored. Once you've done that, though, you simply fund the account or link your brokerage account to your current savings account. And once that's done, the broker gives you the big tick. You can go and start buying shares. As we said at the beginning, though, just do it carefully and thoughtfully. Don't don't rush into it. Don't get too overwhelmed by excitement. Just, just take your time. Now, run us through what kinds of costs are involved with trading. All right, so it's actually reasonably inexpensive these days. The major cost, of course, is the actual brokerage cost. Think about it as if 
you're buying a house, right? You're paying an agent's commission. Uh, Stockbrokers charge you a brokerage, which is effectively either a fixed amount or a percentage of the transaction fee to actually make the trade. So you normally pay, depending on who you go with, as cheap as 10 bucks sometimes, more often 19.95, something like that with some of the bigger guys to make your trade. So you put $1,000 down, uh, you might want to buy $1,000 worth of shares in company X, you'll pay 20 bucks for that privilege to the broker and the shares are yours. After that, there's really no ongoing cost, although be careful, some brokers do charge either an inactivity cost. If you don't make a trade, they'll charge you. Some will charge you a percentage of your assets. So I would avoid those brokers for what it's worth, but be careful of that. After that, the next step is simply if and when you choose to sell or if you get paid a dividend, there are tax implications on that one. Okay. And you, you mentioned that word dividend. So maybe for those first time or new investors, what does a dividend mean? Because you don't necessarily just make money by seeing a capital gain when shares rise or, or a loss if shares fall, right? But you get a you can potentially get a dividend. What's that? Yeah, spot on. So think about it as anomalous to, sorry, analogous to uh, cash in the bank and the interest you get on that cash. Now it's not as certain and it's not as guaranteed as cash in the bank. So I don't want to I don't want to cast too direct a, a line between those two. But it's normally a payout you get for owning the company's shares. The way it works, I'll use Woolworths as an example. I don't own shares, so it's a nice, easy one without any conflicts. Um, Woolies does its business, sells its baked beans and its toilet paper and its alcohol. Over the course of a year, it hopefully sells a lot and it covers its costs. It makes a profit at the end of the day. If it doesn't, it's doing things badly. Most of it makes a good profit. Some of that money goes back into the business to fund store fit-outs, to fund marketing campaigns. It might go and buy another business. The amount that's left is available to the company to pay out to shareholders and say, hey, you've owned these shares, you're a business owner, right? If you own dividend, if you own shares, sorry, you own a portion of that business, you are a part business owner, not exactly like owning a local news agent, but not miles away. And so some of those proceeds of that company's operations for the six months or a year come back to shareholders as a bit of a payout, a bit of a reward or return for that investment. Part of the profits come to you as a dividend. And it's expressed in cents or dollars per share. So Woolies might pay a dollar a share in dividends. If you own 10, 10, dividend, 10 shares, you get 10 bucks in dividends from that investment. Okay. And also part of ASIC's warning uh, a few weeks ago was of people timing the market, right? They want to day trade. They want to uh, buy quickly, sell quickly to make a profit. But yeah. that profit, that gets taxed, doesn't it? Can you tell me about that? It, it really does. So yeah, I mean, day trading, I think is a terrible idea for what it's worth. But yes, the, 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 the proceeds do get taxed. Now, if you're a long-term investor, if ASIC, or sorry, the ATO considers you an investor rather than a trader, then you have to pay capital gains tax. You pay a portion of that profit you make. If you buy $10 worth of shares, you sold it for 20 bucks, you made a $10 profit, you'll pay tax on that profit at a capital gains tax rate, which is normally half of your tax, um, your tax rate. So if you're on a 30% tax bracket, you'll pay 15% tax on the profit. If you're a day trader though, or a regular trader, the ATO might decide you're doing it to derive an income not an investment. If it's an income, you actually got to pay tax at the full personal tax rate rather than that half price capital gains tax discount if you hold the shares for more than 12 months. So another good reason, other than it's generally hard to do and do well, not to trade too frequently, not to try and day trade, just slow and steady wins the race here. Hey, Scott, plenty of information there for investors and nice to keep it balanced. Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool, appreciate your time on your health and your wealth. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ricardo. Good to be with you. Thanks, Scott. And that's it for this second episode of Your Health and Your Wealth, live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Periscope and Twitter. Um, thank you for joining me. I um, had some lovely comments about how much they're enjoying the show all over the place. So thank you so much. Um, also, you can be you can listen to this now as an audio cast on Spotify. So check it out and you can contact me at business.com. 
Ricardo along all the social media platforms. Don't forget that the information on this stream is general in nature though, and you should seek professional financial uh, advice to make sure that any decision that you make is right for you. I'm Ricardo Gonzalez. Thank you for joining me on Your Health and Your Wealth.